Welcome to Tag Talks, the source for information, news, and best practices for career and workforce professionals. Taking the mystery out of career development for you and your customers. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Tag Talks. Welcome to this special bonus edition of TAD Talks, where we are at the California Workforce Association Youth at Work Conference 2019 here in beautiful Long Beach, California. And I'm here today with Dr. Tina Ankdahl, Associate Dean for College of Education and Portland State University, faculty in the Department of Counselor Education. And we are just thrilled to have you here today, Dr. Ankdahl, to not just present on behalf of TAD Grants with uh, our colleague Aaron Lesson, but also um, really to just kind of get your thoughts on vocational rehabilitation, partnerships with workforce development, and how we can better serve our customers with disabilities who are seeking meaningful employment opportunities. So Dr. Ankdahl, I've got some questions for you, and this is about really my edification, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about your work up at Portland uh, University and specifically what you do around the uh, vocational rehabilitation counseling piece of this. So I've been involved with youth with disabilities for most of my career at this point. That's about 25 years. And I worked at Oregon Vocational Rehabilitation Division early in my career and worked specifically with the schools and youth who had um, disabilities who were transitioning into adulthood. So that's been an interest area of mine for a very long time. And my career path has taken different turns. And I've been a faculty member teaching future rehabilitation counselors now for about 15 years. So in that process, I've also um, had grant projects and a variety of different things where we've really looked at how to meet the needs of youth with disabilities and employment and career and training. Those are the the top concerns that youth have when they're leaving high school and launching into adulthood. Yeah, and and that's great. Obviously, you have a a wealth of experience um, in this particular sector. And, And one of the things that I'm most curious about, I suppose, is maybe talk a little bit about some of the challenges that your um, graduate students are experiencing when serving individuals with disabilities. Are there certain disabilities that youth or even adults present with more than others? And how does that impact the career development process that that your students and yourself and and practitioners like, you know, myself and others in, in workforce development, what are some of those challenges we might see? How can we maybe start thinking about how to do that a little bit better to make sure that we're, we're providing the most quality services that we can in the area of career development? Yeah, so yesterday in our presentation, we shared the different types of disabilities that are served um, in the schools by IDEA, and then also the Individuals um, with Disabilities Education Act, and then also WIOA, and the differences between those, where it's much broader in WIOA, and that the youth just have to have a barrier to employment that's related to physical or mental impairment. So we talked a lot about specific learning disabilities, about autism, different physical um, limitations that someone might have, but really learning disabilities and autism spectrum disorders seem to be areas of great need. You see a pretty high incidence of that and those so it's really about teaching people how to meet the individual needs of that youth, not make assumptions, not bring biases in about what maybe they can or can't do and at the same time really addressing system limitations and advantages you know are there th- are there certain eligibilities we need to pursue with this person you know would they qualify for long-term supports or are we just talking short-term supports through vocational rehabilitation and work source so what can we do in that are those areas so those are those are really the areas where we're, we start 
and that's incredibly helpful. I, I appreciate that because one of the things that I think as, as we move into the partnerships with vocational rehabilitation and, you know, WIO providers or one-stop operations, career center activities, and at least this has been my experience across the country, is that oftentimes we may be very good at helping somebody get an, you know, an on-the-job training opportunity, putting people in training, but we have not, as, as workforce development practitioners, we maybe don't have the types of skills, education, certifications, knowledge base that we would need to serve this specific population, individuals with disabilities, as you mentioned, people who have you know autism spectrum disorder or uh, maybe a more severe mental incapacity. I apologize for not using proper terms here. I, again, I'm not the expert, obviously. But I think that there's some things that we just simply are not ready for, but they are still our job seeker customers. And they still need to be served, uh, and they need to be served equally as well as anybody else coming through our doors. And so thinking about the partnership aspect and kind of how we can be better partners to each other and leverage our resources and, and communicate better with departments of rehabilitation and you know our workforce centers. What are some of the things that you've seen work? Um, maybe you can share a little bit about you know what, what you've seen seen as a best practice or just some tips and strategies on how maybe we can strengthen those partnerships. I think at the start of all partnerships is building relationships. So getting to know individuals in both agencies, getting to know each other. And a lot of times we've got specific staff who are assigned to work with youth population. So that's a really important strategy there. And then just understanding the two systems. And like I talked about, just the definition of disability is different. So sharing what counts where and how to help. If we don't understand that, how can a youth who has all of those struggles understand it too? So that's, I think, a good starting point. And then best practices, a lot of what we're teaching are, not to make this sound like a commercial, but we have a four-step process that starts with really understanding the, the client's story, the youth, the customer's story, and using good helping skills and developing those helping skills. And then once you have that strong relationship established, you can make that referral to vocational rehabilitation. And if you know who you're referring that person to and you understand that eligibility, then you can make that a very smooth transition and you can collaborate, join forces, and focus on good career development from that point, which would be assessments that are appropriate for the youth And then interpreting those assessments, building um, a strong employment pathway. I think that's really critical for youth is to understand what is a career pathway and what are the the steps it would take and both academic pathway, if that's appropriate. And usually some amount of training is always great. And then a career pathway that has opportunities so that maybe we can launch them and they'll be on their own and they won't come back or they'll come back with specific needs. And then retention and follow-up. So best strategies in those areas too. I think that's great. And I really appreciate, you know, just giving us that very simplified four-step process. Um, you know, we talk about this at TAD Grants a lot, and, and you know this, is we're very process-driven. And, and our belief is is that in order for you to be successful, you have to have a very clear process that's followed time and time and again. And, and through that consistency is when we get efficacy, essentially, in our in our program design and delivery. You, you said an interesting thing. You said good career development. And I thought that was a great term because, you know, we say the term career development, but I guess maybe you could tell me a little bit about what does good career development look like as it relates to individuals with disabilities and and how might that differ if at all I think good career development is the same model from client to client to client. I really do. So have somebody with a disability, there are certain things you have to know in addition to that. So for example, um, job accommodations. 
disclosing disability. How do you guide somebody? When do you disclose your disability? Well, it's going to look different for somebody with bipolar disorder versus someone who uses a wheelchair. Is the disability hidden or visible? And so when do you have decision points? So there's a lot of um, what I would call almost like insider knowledge that we have in the field of rehabilitation counseling and really understanding the Americans with Disabilities Act, which provides protection for employees with disabilities, but you have to disclose your disability in order to get that protection. If you disclose, are you going to be discriminated against? So those are, there's a, a lot of nuance to how you do this and doing it well is important. Also, employer relations. So I would add that into the good career development piece for rehabilitation counselors or for any um, professionals working with disability because one of the biggest misconceptions is that accommodations are going to, that employers have, is that accommodations are going to be expensive. And actually, we know they're very inexpensive for the most part. So we teach um, how to use the, the job accommodation network. It's called AskJan. And that's a free resource. You can log into that and put in any impairment. So, for example, someone might be missing their left hand or doesn't have use of their left hand, and you're getting them an office job. And you want to know what are some ideas and strategies that you could use. What might come up is a one-handed keyboard. And you figure out that costs a limited amount of funds. And many times there's an agency like Voc Rehab who will purchase that. So it costs nothing to the employer or it's very limited. You might find other things such as depression or anxiety. In those, you would find a list of um, good strategies for how to maybe a flexible work schedule, um, ability to take breaks when needed without having to ask if somebody was you know, feeling very anxious, they needed to step outside and breathe. So um, those are good strategies. You really kind of tricks of the trade that rehabilitation counselors know. There's a lot of free resources, how to use ONAT to identify the major job functions and then map that to your client's impairment. So when you're doing good career development, what you would do is, okay, you come up with five good ideas, and then you need to really decide what works and what doesn't work for my client based upon their limitations so that we're setting people up. It's not that we can't overcome limitations on the job, but you want to have a good match to begin with, and then you go out and you can find the right employer and you can invest in training when you have a clear plan. Well, that, that was a lot of information, and I think um, I love that resource. Ask Jan, was it? Ask Jan. Okay, so it's ASKJAN.org. Um, and I think that's something, you know, for our listeners out there, that's a new one for me. And I think some of our workforce development practitioners out there, that might be new for them as well. And one thing as we wrap this up that I want to kind of make mention of is the idea that somebody has gone to school for a specific career. You know, for instance, you know, obviously you're a doctor, you've gone for your, you know, voc rehabilitation, you've done that. Well, I, I want you to talk a little bit about, if you can, some of the advice that maybe you've given your students about their continuing education. Yes, you've gotten a degree. You have some level of education. You may now have some experience, right, in the field doing the work. But as far as continuing education goes and ensuring that, um, you know, what you're talking about, these resources and and even this business engagement piece or business services aspect of, of what we have to do in order for a good match job placement, how important is continuing education to ensure that you're continuing to keep that level of excellence up and, and you're not just learning of things that are happening, but you're really engaged in 
and the, the practice of gathering evidence-based, you know, program designs and, and knowledge and strategies and then applying those. How, how would you say that ranks on discussions that you have with your students and maybe for other workforce people that are looking for continuing education or do they need it? I mean, is it, you know, that, I mean, I guess that's a question a lot of people I think I run across say, well, I don't need that. I have a degree in whatever it is. Is continuing education a big key in, in keeping up with serving this population and some of the changes from a legislative standpoint and laws and, and things like that? And, and if so, you know, what's the frequency in which you think somebody should be engaged in continuous learning activities? I think that in this field, the more you do it, the more you realize you don't know. I am a firm believer in continuing education. That's why I'm really excited to partner with TAD Grants because I have that opportunity to do more continuing education. And I've been teaching, of course, we call in the field, we call it pre-service, so counselors. That's um, before they get their degree. And then I do, um, in my private practice, I do a fair amount of supervision of graduates who are working towards their licensed professional counselor credential in Oregon. And what I find, and I've been doing this, like I said, for a while now, that really the more you get into this, the more you realize, wow, I've got these learning gaps. And the degree is just the foundation to give you that kind of scaffolding to go out and, and collect the rest of the information that you need. So I think um, the career development in particular, you get one class, one semester, and you really just learn the basics. You learn a lot of theory. You don't learn a lot of application often in that class, and you really get the application when the client is sitting in front of you, and you think, holy cow, I don't know what to do. So really, continuing education allows you to bring those examples of when you didn't know what to do and get some practical knowledge about how to start to build your skill set and get some tricks. And a lot of what I find is that students, even my top students, don't remember, don't retain all of those little nuanced um, understanding of how to, how to really do the work. So the theory is important, don't get me wrong. I think that degree gives you that solid foundation to go, okay, this is why this is important. This is how I need to do it. But you forget the steps sometimes. That's what I've found. So I've I'm a firm believer in continuing ed. Well, thank you, Dr. Tina Engdahl. I, I will continue to call you doctor because you have earned that. I am not a doctor, but you can call me doctor if you so choose. I would not stop you. So I want to thank you for your time today. I want to thank you for being at this conference and, and for helping us develop what I think is a really stellar course on, on, on how to better serve individuals with disabilities in, their, in career development specifically, that we want to make sure that we're following a good process. I think that the training that you have provided and developed with us is something that, given the current legislation, given that we own Voc Rehab are now having to work so closely together that we need to get individuals into the workforce doing meaningful work for them and not just simply finding job placements wherever they will be taken. In my opinion, and I'm sure in your opinion as well, I think everybody is entitled to meaningful work regardless of disability, not disability, where you came from, what color your skin is, that, that none of those things matter, that meaningful work is what makes the world go around. It's what gives us all a sense of pride and purpose in our lives. And I want to thank you for your, your ongoing contribution to those people who sometimes can be marginalized and overlooked when it comes to career development. Uh, Thank you for the work that you're doing with us, and we're looking forward to our future endeavors. Thank you so much. Me too.